Who doesn't love a trip to the zoo? Welcome to the Sunday Sermon on Through the Bible. Today, Dr. J. Vernon McGee tells us creatures are preachers and takes us to Proverbs 30 to examine some interesting animals and learn from their ways. I'm Steve Schwetz, and we'll begin our message, A Trip to the Zoo, in just a minute. But first, I want to open our inbox and read some letters from our fellow passengers on the Bible bus. First, we hear from Steve. He's in Missouri. I always learn something new when listening to Dr. McGee. The background information and commentary are enlightening because he takes the time to teach his listeners many underlying details that paint a clear picture of the message. Well, thanks for your note, Steve. We're glad to have you aboard the Bible bus with us. And then here's a note from a listener of our Spanish language. Hello, God bless you. I'm writing to let you know that I am a faithful listener. I listen to you on cultural radio at 7.30 a.m. in Guatemala. The first time I heard you, I felt an impact, a shift God was beginning to transform me. At that time, I wasn't a Christian. But since then, the Word of God has changed my life completely. Before I found you, I was lost. Thank you for guiding me to the feet of the Lord Jesus. Now I am in love with my Almighty God. I've been traveling on the Bible bus for three years, and I've been built up by your programs. Continue on in the expansion of the Word of God, the Bible, to the world. May the countless blessings of God be poured out on you. Next, we have a listener who joins us in Polish and wrote this. In the past, I made some very bad choices, and I wronged many people. I was also a blasphemer. I wasn't able to change, and I didn't want to change. Today, that's no longer true. After I confessed all my sins to God, I felt a deep sense of relief. I can't even find words to describe it. Since that moment, my life has been completely different. Now, I am using every moment to serve God. Although my old life is behind me, there is still a long road before me. But I am confident that the Lord will guide me. Thank you for helping me get to know the Lord and His ways more and more as we study His Word. Our last email comes to us from Joseph here in the U.S. Emotions carry me up and down like a ship tossed on the ocean. But this Bible study is like a lighthouse guiding me through the rocks, Joseph writes. Thanks for being faithful by keeping this essential program true to its mission. Well, thanks for your note, Joseph. God's Word really is a beacon in this dark world, isn't it? What's your story? You know we'd love to hear how God's Word is changing and challenging you. You can email us at BibleBus at ttb.org. You can post your note on our Facebook page or send your note to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109, or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Remember, you can also call and leave a message with your story anytime at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now let's pray for and with each other. Father, thank you for the wonders that we find in your word and in your creation all around us. Help us to hear the wisdom that you have for us today from the book of Proverbs, and then help us to live out what we learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's a trip to the zoo on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. The trip to the zoo is always an interesting pastime for both young and old alike. I think all of us enjoy looking at the strange animals that have been assembled there, the reptiles, the bugs, and the birds that have been brought there from the four corners of the earth. It's not only a rich experience to see the animals, but if you ever stop to look at this from the other side of the bars, it probably is just as amusing to the animals to see us when we go to the zoo. The cartoon has it that the 
little baby monkey was acting up and mama monkey was provoked and finally she turned to papa monkey and she said, we're going to have to stop Junior from watching human beings. But the very interesting thing is that God has directed us to nature to learn many important lessons. And I'm afraid a great many people today are blind to the great spiritual lessons that there are in nature. And only a child of God can see these and get these. Dr. G. Camel Morgan was telling about visiting in the home, uh, the lovely home in London of a member of the House of Commons who had recently been converted. This was years ago, and this man was... Uh, a, a fancier and lover of roses. He had a very lovely rose garden. And after their dinner, they walked out into the garden, and this man, as he reached down and lifted up a dew-drenched rosebud, uh, said to Dr. Morgan, you know, there is a beauty in that rose that I did not see until I was converted. I see now that it reminds me of the one who is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. God has sent us to nature to learn certain great spiritual lessons. The psalmist says, when I consider thy heaven, we're asked to. The Lord Jesus said, consider the lily. And the psalmist again says, shall I lift up mine eyes to the hills? There are wonderful lessons to be learned. And then the writer to the Proverbs says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. And our Lord said, Look upon the fields. And he certainly was saying two things. Look not only upon the physical fields, but the spiritual fields. And then he could say, My sheep hear my voice. Physical creation is to speak to man, and the Word of God directs us to it. Physical creation has many spiritual lessons for us. And I'm afraid that a great many of us go through Aesop's fables or Uncle Remus or Walt Disney in order to get the lessons that come from the plant and animal world that's about us instead of going through the Word of God. Now we have here this morning that... There are two groups of animals. One is uh, a group in which there are four. The other is a group in which there are three animals. In this first group, all these animals illustrate the way to God for the sinner. The second group of animals illustrate the walk of the saint before God. You see, friends, creatures are preachers, but I hope not vice versa. I hope preachers are not creatures, but creatures are preachers. And all of God's creation is crying out to us if we could only, if we could only had ears to hear. And we know today we hear very little sound, and we know today we see very little color in this physical universe and unfortunately, as our Lord said, you're blind, blind leaders of the blind. You don't see many things that are about you. Now this morning, 
I want to take the first group, way to God for the sinner. And uh, this first group have two things in common. They are first, they are little. These are all little creatures. And the second thing is, all of them are wise. They're little and wise. And step right up, ladies and gentlemen, because we have them in a cage this morning. You folk who didn't come to church today, you, you certainly missed something. We have them here in a cage this morning, these first. And I'd ask you to step right up there and look. You'll have to look very closely, but they are there. And we have now in this first group those that are little, but they're wise. And they have a message for them. They're going to show us the way to God for the sinner. Will you look at the one over in this corner this morning? Just push right in close. We want you to see him. He has a message for you. Will you listen to the word of God? There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. Here's the first one. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. That's the first. These are ants that we have here. And somebody says, but I know all about ants. I hope so. And there are those that have raised the question about uh, the ants. They say uh, uh, the ant uh, doesn't gather grain. I remember how baffled I was when I first heard that question in seminary. Because uh, I came from a section of the country where ants do gather grain. In Texas, the ants gather grain. Understand, that's the only state in the Union they do, and the only other place is Palestine. You see that Texas and the Promised Land have many things in common. The ants gather grain. I'm not to saying too much about being a Texan anymore, I understand that they found the worst case of claustrophobia the other day in Texas. An Alaskan was down there. He felt very cramped. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. And in Proverbs 6, 6, it reads, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider his ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. Word of God says to you and me this morning, go to the ant. There's a lesson for you there. And you hear the expression today that someone is as busy as an ant. Well, the ant stores up and stashes away foods during a brief and bright day of the harvest. And this little insignificant creature that's working and busy all the time, and we're walking right on him and over him, but he continues on gathering down underneath the ground the grain, and when the cold winds from the north blow over the plains of Texas and the snow begins to fall, that little fella doesn't worry. The grasshoppers outside, they're all dead. 
The butterflies are gone, but the little ant down underneath, he was uh, taking care of the future. All during the summer, he was busy. He wasn't living a grasshopper life or a butterfly existence. Now, many men today exhibit the wisdom of the ant in material things. In fact, man today, and he always has exhibited the same characteristic of the ant when it comes to material things. Today we hear a great deal about social security. We hear a great deal today about saving your money for your old age. We hear a great deal today about taking out insurance and making preparation for your old age and even buying a home that you'll have a place to live. Men make arrangements for everything. They even provide for their loved ones. They even go to the undertaker, and they arrange for everything there. Wag told me this one. He says, the undertaker's now competing with the travel agency, and they have what they call the layaway plan. Pay now and go later. Well, may I say a great many people have made adequate preparation, even through the funeral service. May I say they've made no preparation beyond that. No preparation for the endless ages of eternity, only for a few fleeting moments of time. They do not recognize that the long winter of eternity is coming. They do not realize that there is danger beyond death. They do not take in consideration that there is a judgment that is coming. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after death the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Appointed unto man once to die, and after death the judgment, the judgment is coming. And men today pass over the little ant, and that insignificant little creature has a message for man today. That little fellow's preaching and saying, you better take care of the future. He's saying, don't live for this life only. But this policy of eating, drinking, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die and it won't make any difference. You're making a mistake not to think of the future. That little ant is saying, you ought not to live as if, as if this life will go on forever. Our Lord told of a man that was very prosperous. He tore down old barns and he built new barns. And honestly, there wasn't anything wrong with that. The tragedy with that man was that he built new barns for this life, and he made no arrangement for eternity. And our Lord said that that man could never enjoy the new barns for that very night his life was taken from, from him. And our Lord called him a fool. I don't. I can't. He's forbidden me to. But he said that man that doesn't think of the future... Life after death, that man is a fool. 
A little ant is saying to you and me today that we ought not to live as if this life is certain. It's not certain. James says, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. That little ant is saying today, my beloved, to you and me, flee from the wrath to come. He's saying to you and me today, prepare to meet thy God. He's saying that long eternal night of winter is coming when no man can work. And while it is called today, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Go to the end. Learn the lesson there, my beloved. He's speaking to us today. That's the first one in the cage this morning. When you look over here a little farther, we have the second one. I want to read this morning verse 26. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet make they their houses in the rocks. Now a coney, that's an unusual little creature there, if you'll notice. You probably have not seen one like him. Somebody says, I thought he was a rabbit. No, it's not a rabbit, really. The biological name for him is Hyrax Syriacus. And you know he must look very peculiar with a name like that. Well, he has long hair that is mixed in with the fur. He has a very short tail. He has round ears, short ears, close in to the head. You see, he's not like a rabbit. He's about the size of a rabbit. But he's called, in popular terminology, the rock badger. And you'll find the coney mentioned in Leviticus and Deuteronomy among the unclean animals. The little fella chewed a cud, but he, he didn't part his hook. And he's listed among the unclean. We're not to eat him. He's unclean. He's a little fella. He's uh, very timid. He's uh, feeble. He's very defenseless. He has no way of defending himself. He's actually not able to burrow in the ground even. But uh, he hides in rocks. That's his home. He uh, finds where the rocks are, and there he goes in and makes his home. He finds a place of safety. Oh, my beloved, that little coney that's out yonder on that rock pile this morning, and when you come by, he disappears. He's gone for safety. He's gone to hide himself. He's afraid of you. He protects himself. He's smart. Why? And he know he's safe among the rocks. May I say to you today that if you are as wise as this little animal, and you can see yourself as a poor, helpless, unclean sinner, and you are wise enough to recognize your condition, you know your own plight. You know that you're without strength. You know you have no righteousness. May I say to you this morning, you can hide in a rock. There's a rock 
are you today? You can be protected. And when the judgment passes over and the wrath passes over, you'll be saved. Well, you don't have to guess what the rock is. Paul's already told us in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the rock was Christ. And when the judgment of sin came down that was meant for man, he bore it and it fell upon him. On him almighty vengeance fell, which would have sunk a world to hell. He bore it for a chosen race and thus became their hiding place. And today, if you're smart enough, to see that you're hopeless and helpless and you can't save yourself, then you can get under the rock and be safe today, my beloved. No wonder the hymn writer wrote, Oh, then to the rock let me fly, to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, then to the rock let me fly, the rock is higher than I. That's the place of protection today, my beloved. Abner was the general and captain of the host of Saul. When Saul was killed, he surrendered and went over to David. But Joab, the general of David, was apparently jealous. He didn't like to see this man move in. And he also had a grudge against him, and he wanted to kill him. And this man, Abner, knew his condition and knew that he was in danger. So he fled to one of the cities of refuge. He went to Hebron. He's perfectly safe inside the city. But uh, Joab, the captain of David, wanted to get him out. And so he lured him out. He said, if you just step outside here a minute, Abner, we've got something to talk to you about, and it be for your interest. We're told that when he stepped outside, got away from his protection, that uh, Joab took his knife that he had under his uniform and put it under the fifth rib of Abner. And David gave him his epitaph, died Abner, as a fool die. Here's a man, safe in that rock city of Hebron, couldn't be touched. And he was fool enough to be lured outside and murdered. And David said, died Abner as a fool die. You couldn't get the little coney you couldn't get the little rock badger to come on the outside. You could go there and say, kitty, 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 come here, and he won't come. He's smart. He's wise. But how many men and women this morning in Southern California stand exposed and have not hidden in the rock? Nothing this morning over their defenseless head between now and the judgment of God upon sin. And here's a rock. 
rock that is higher than I, and they can go there and find protection. And they don't go. I ask you the question, are they being smart? The little cone is wise. He hides in the rock because he knows. He cannot defend himself. And this little unclean animal is protected in the rock. Are you there this morning? Uh, would you come over and look at the third animal we have in the cage this morning? That third is not really an animal, by the way. Will you notice? The locusts have no king, yet go they forth, all of them, by bands. The locust is a creature of destruction. You'll find in the prophecy of Joel what is probably the most picturesque and dramatic scene that ever been drawn by any human pen. And it's a picture of the last days, the battle of Armageddon. And you know how Joel sets it forth? He sets it forth as the coming down of a great locust horde. Oh, the locusts. They're little fellows of destruction. One of them by himself, nothing. You could just step on him and mash him. They don't come by themselves. They come by millions. And it is said that when men have attempted to exterminate them, they build a wall of fire. And the locusts keep coming till they put out the fire. And those back of them come on over. They were the dread scourge of the Orient and still are. And I want to tell you, wherever they went, they brought destruction. They'll even, they'll even break down a great tree. You say, how can a little locust break down a tree? They can't do it by themselves. They work in numbers. They just keep climbing up the tree and getting one on another and getting up there, get it so top-heavy, it goes over. Then they eat it up. They eat everything green ahead of them. And the interesting thing about the locusts is they have no general, they have no captain, nobody gives orders as far as you can tell. And yet each little fella goes right in his own little line of march. They move in a concerted action. And apparently nobody's leading. The bees have a queen. The ants do. But honestly, the little, little locust, he has no leader. What a lesson that is. Uh, you and me today, Christ is the unseen head of the church. The church has no, no visible leader today. I was speaking to a group the other night, and somebody said, my, this was a new thought to me. Did you know that the church has no delegated authority from heaven today? We go forth with no delegated authority. We go forth with the authority of Christ. Peter and John went up to the temple. This poor man says, give me alms. They said, we haven't anything. Silver and gold have we none, but that which we have we'll give unto you. And what did they say? In the name of Jesus Christ. They were, they were locusts following an unseen captain.
him. And that's the problem and the difficulty in the church today is we've got too many folk who want to run it. We've got too many people who want position, who, too many people who want their way instead of following the unseen captain today. What a lesson. Paul said to the Corinthians, For ye are yet carnal, whereas that is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? Trouble at the church in Corinth was it wasn't going forward together. They were striving one with another. And when Paul wrote to the Philippians, a church that he loved, he was closer to it than any others, he says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now listen to this. That ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, moving forward, shoulder to shoulder, each in his place, striving in prayer, if you please. As Paul went forward to preach. You know, friends, if more people in the church would pray instead of criticizing, we'd see more spiritual power today in the church over our land. And right now, the church is dead over America. I'm talking now about the fundamental churches. I'm not talking about the liberals. They died years ago. But the fundamental churches are dead today. You ask any Bible teacher that's traveling today and any man that goes into churches, I've asked that question now of several. And over America, there's a deadness, and it's because God's people are not looking to the unseen captain, shoulder to shoulder, moving forward in prayer. No, look at the locusts as a message for us today. Then will you look with me at this fourth? Uh, he's in the back of the cage here, and he's up on the side there, if you'll notice very carefully. And I read of him here in verse 28, The spider taketh hope with her hands and is in king's palaces. Actually, the spider is not the proper translation here. It is uh, the gecko, and the gecko was a lizard. Dalich, the great Hebrew scholar, translates this verse like this. The lizard thou canst catch with thy hands, and yet it's in the king's palaces. Well, the little old lizard, you could go outside and pick him up with your hands. But you know that little fella has a way of getting inside of king's palaces and in that land. That's what the little lizard did. The gecko would get into houses. And he had an affinity for fine tapestry. Didn't eat it, didn't harm it. He just liked fine tapestry. He had a, you see, quite a, quite a cultured little animal. Had an aesthetic taste, and he always looked out for the finest. He went into the palaces of kings, and uh, he not only got on the tapestries, but he had fan-like feet and a sticky substance on the bottom of those feet. So that it exuded the ooze when he went up the side of a wall, even a marble wall, and he could go across a tessellated ceiling with no problem at all because uh, he uh, 
He liked that sort of thing. And he always got on the inside, always worked on the inside. What a, what a message this little fellow that's up here at the top has for us today. The little geek girl. The little lizard today. You know what he's saying? He's saying that faith should take hold of the promises of God and move right in. Now, the little lizard doesn't go to the door and knock and says, it's all right for me to come in? Never. He just goes in without even any invitation and gets on the finest tapestry and climbs on the ceiling. Oh, my friend today, God says that he's brought us on the inside, that he has put us in a most glorious place. Listen to this. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Why, my friend, this morning, if God has saved you, he has taken you today dead in trespasses and sins, put you in Christ. You are now seated in the heavenlies. You are in the palace of the king, the highest place in Christ. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, and if sons of God, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Paul could march in, this humble man, if you please. And every child of God can do like this little lizard. Go in and lay hold. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Many today need to go and look at that little lizard. Look at the geeko. He comes right in with assurance. He goes to the very heights and holds on. Oh, my friend, today by faith, God has put you into his palace. Believe him today. Now, I must move very hurriedly now because I want to close, but will you notice these three animals very quickly that are in this other group? And by the way, I'll have to get another cage because these animals that eat these animals... And I have another cage this morning. And I have three animals in that cage today. And these three animals, they show the walk of the saint before God. Will you listen? There be three things which go well, yea, four are comely in going. They're stately in their going. Will you notice the first one? A lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away from any. Lion. You know, a lion goes straight ahead. He doesn't detour. When he gets out and starts through the neighborhood that, and somebody says there's a pussycat loose, he doesn't then go around the town. He just keeps going. He doesn't worry about little cat. The other day when this lion got out in Madison Square Garden, he didn't run for cover, although he was a toothless old lion. And he just, they said he just went down the hallway and he had it to himself that everywhere he went, traffic made way for him. 
Uh, that's what the writer here says, a lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away from any. That's the way that a child of God should walk through this world today. Friends, we need today courage. We need the kind of courage that caused Paul the Apostle to write, none of these things move me. We should be as, as Solomon writes here in chapter 28 of Proverbs, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Curse of the church today is pussyfooting preachers and mealy-mouth laymen. We need today men of conviction. Oh, I do not mean that espouse some little cause and be ugly and contentious about it. Many men today lose their temper about some little personal matter. But I'm talking now about standing for great issues and the things of God today. We need men that are willing to pay the price and to stand. The set of Cromwell, that he's the bravest man that ever lived. Someone went to Cromwell. In fact, a newspaper reporter and says, what is the secret? He said, I learned this early in life. My mother taught me that if I'd fear God, I'd not have to fear any man. And he's the only one I fear. Oh, we need men today. They'll stand for the things of God. Stonewall Jackson got his name at the Battle of Bull Run. And uh, General Cox had already given command to his men to retreat. And then when he started back, he got in a position where he could look across the creek and he saw Stonewall Jackson, General Jackson, just sitting on his horse looking toward the enemy. And he couldn't help but exclaim, he says, there stands General Jackson like a stone wall. He said, let's turn around, not retreat. And they won the battle. We need men today and women today in the church that go forward like a lion. That uh, today they, they have this position, and then you meet some, the next day they've turned, and you go to them, and why did they turn? Well, they were afraid of somebody. And there are people that today in the church that are like flapjacks. They're just going from one side to the other because they're afraid. They're compromising. Oh, we need men and women today that'll go forward just like a lion. Righteous are as bold as a lion. Then will you notice this second one that's mentioned to us here, a greyhound. This is not a bus, by the way. Someone said that they saw a greyhound the other day with a bus on him. The Christian should be like a greyhound, not a bus. In the animal here, there's always been some question whether it really means the greyhound. It means girded about the loins. It means an animal that moves with speed as the greyhound moves. What a picture. Paul says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he, or the writer of Hebrews, said, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. We need today again men and women that are walking and going through this world like a greyhound. They've sniffed the scent. 
They're on the track. Their eye is fixed on Jesus Christ, and they're moving forward, never deviating. And they're moving forward today and growing in grace and in the knowledge of him. Let me mention briefly the last one, and he go. They're all in here, by the way. The he go. And the he goat, we're told, is the mountain goat. And he's still found in Palestine. He's still found way back up yonder where it's high and rough and rugged. And he's called the climber. You find him in this country. He's in the high Sierras. He's in the Rocky Mountains. He's in Alaska today. And he always goes to the heights. You see that he goat going along that cliff way up yonder, leaping from cliff to cliff. From grace to grace we should be going. And Paul says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And, and don't be occupied with the things down here. The goat's not interested in the low level. He's interested in those things that are up yonder. That's the way we're to go through this world. Let's go to the zoo. What animal this morning would you like to see? What animal this morning can teach you something? Oh, you say, I want to go down and see the big fellas, the rhinoceros, the elephant, the bears. Wait a minute. Don't rush. Here's a little ant. He has a lesson for you. He wants to ask you this morning, have you prepared for eternity? Have you? Do you know where you're going to be in eternity today? The little ant would ask you that. And then the coney, the little rock badger, he's a funny little fella, isn't he? Unclean. If you can't get him, he's hiding in the rocks. He's hiding in the rocks. And he's asking you this morning, are you hiding in the rock? Are you trusting Christ today? Is he your Savior? When the wrath of God passes over, did it fall on Christ? And you are hidden in him today. And if you are, you're safe and secure. God's creation really is amazing, isn't it? Fascinating, detailed, creative, stunning. If you'd like to share today's sermon, A Trip to the Zoo with a Family Member or Friend, it's available on our app or at ttb.org. And for more great teaching in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, you can hop aboard the Bible bus this week for our daily adventure through the Bible. To get the most out of our studies, I suggest that you visit ttb.org and download our free digital book, Briefing the Bible. It contains all of Dr. McGee's free notes and outlines for our five-year study. Or you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE, and we'll send an abbreviated paperback copy to you by mail. You can also get it on Kindle for 99 cents. Again, that's ttb.org, 1-800-65-BIBLE, or you can reach us at Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. And when you're in touch, be sure to tell us how you listen to the Sunday Sermon. This little bit of information really does help us to be good stewards of the resources that God has so faithfully provided through faithful friends like you. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as we go, I pray John 10, 27, one of the verses Dr. McGee taught on today. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. May we hear his voice, rejoice that he knows us, and follow him all of our days. 
Join us each weekday for our five-year daily study through the whole Word of God. Check for times on this station or look for Through the Bible in your favorite podcast store and always at ttb.org.